We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'm Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? Doing better. <laughs> better than last time. I mean, honestly, credit to you because you dive right in to the offense, the defense, all the tape from just a – I feel like that game was just gross for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, probably. I mean – they're not even losing in fun ways, really, where it's like, oh, no, we lost 34 to 31. I am diving into the slop of a 20 to 17 loss. No, honestly, I said it on uh, social media today, and you can even look back. It's crazy. The divisional, the AFC championship, the Super Bowl, week one, week two, the team has lost by three points. And it's really, it's annoying because I found, I feel, I feel like when you looked at the 2021 season, even last year, week one and two, if they don't fumble the ball, they don't win against the Vikings week one at home in regular season last year. And then they start 0-2 on the season because everybody knows what happens in that Bears game. So there's just some similarities to kind of how last year went when they found ways to close. Look, they had some blowouts. And, I mean, we can remember a lot of those, some divisional games, even the Lions game on the road. But, man, just the way that it's a three-point game every week. And it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you don't get style points. I know we talked about it on the last episode. Would you feel better if they looked a little better out there when they get a win? I, I don't care at this point. But this team can't close. And they get off to these slow starts where they have to play catch-up in the second half. And that's not helpful. Yes, Joe Burrow has almost played hero twice in the second half of each game. Everybody knows, you know, how his first half went, but it's kind of exhausting. And how is this team going to get out to a fast start? My first thought is just dial, dial up the shot place. Uh, I would test the Jets secondary. If Jacoby Brissett can carve him up and only miss one pass on the day, I'm sure Joe Burrow and these wide receivers could. They have a pass rush. I don't want to belittle that. We remember Carl Lawson, of course. We uh, can think about Quinn and Williams, good player, high draft pick. And uh, John Franklin Myers, a little bit underrated of a player, more of a run run stuffer, but he's he can rush the passer a bit too. So they have that, but if you can't dial up the deep ball against the Jets, it's a there's some type of structural issue because that feels like a team that you should be able to attack down the field. So I think what everybody would like, what I would like, is just first, not maybe not the first play, but second, third, fourth play of the game, just a ball that's 40-plus yards downfield to Jamar Chase. Or maybe you don't want to throw it to Chase because, you know, that one's – they'll they'll be expecting Chase. And we've talked about how they kind of do that type of thing where they think about it a little too much. Maybe it's the T. T could jump over these corners. He did it last year. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think they just need to let it loose against the Jets and – not play too aggressively, but just build some of the excitement back because this team was very exciting last year and it should be an exciting team right now. Quarterback Joe Burrow, I feel like, is a hot topic on social media right now. It could be from opposing fans, national media, local media, fans in general. 
I feel like it's very 50-50. Some people are looking at his play and saying, he's got to play better. Uh, then you have the other group saying, well, if the offensive line was better, Joe would be better. I think it's okay to admit that both are playing bad. Both aren't great right now. But it's not all just on one person or one unit. It's it's on both. Because what you've seen when you go back and you look at Joe Burrow in the Dallas Cowboys game, Joe in 2021 probably makes those throws or, you know, is a little more aggressive. Where when he did have a clean pocket, which doesn't happen all the time, but when he did, he didn't get rid of it. Yeah, I'm thinking of the one play in particular. The Cowboys run a really cool play, at least the front end. It's something that Georgia got famous for last year. It's why Jordan Davis didn't get all these sacks. It's called Odd Mirror 5, and to break that down terminology-wise, Odd is just mean they got a guy head up over the center. Mirror is that they have this spy, which was Leighton Van Der Esch in this situation. And 5 is – this is the part that I think – some people up uh, cover five in Saban and Georgia and basically the entire SEC because that's all Saban tree <laughs> is uh, two man. So it's just two man with a guy head up over the center and somebody spying. Now, the other cool part about it is Parsons is the dude. And when they watch that dude, if he goes inside, the defensive tackle comes around and contains. If he goes outside, the tackle rushes normally. But he kind of watching. It's kind of like a cool you think of stunts. And this is kind of a cool watch me type stunt. And Parsons goes inside, so the tackle goes outside. The thing that sucks for Burrow is he feels Parsons come inside, and he says, ooh, let me go create outside. The tackle wrapped around to the outside, so then he kind of stops, looks forward, and there's the spy. And it kind of worked perfectly. But T. Higgins is open on a deep-in dig route, and the Joe Burrow of last year, I feel like he's shown it before. He's got that quick twitch, insane accuracy, really quick release to stop his feet, set him, and fire that in there, and then probably take a hit while he's doing it. But the Joe Burrow that is taking six sacks at this point and took seven last week, he's taking a crap ton of hits, kind of just runs and slides down and lives for another day. I know I've kind of said he should do that a little bit with uh, some of the throws, some of the checkdowns, but not like that, <laughs> not sliding into a sack. I, I really wanted to see him hit that throw because that would have been vintage Joe Burrow. And I think it's coming back. I think it will come back. I think he tried to swing the pendulum too far the other way uh, against the Steelers. He was forcing things and he was a little sped. He was a little uh, slow. And then this week he's a little sped up and he's trying to play very conservative. So he doesn't turn the ball over and lose the game. That middle ground is where he needs to be. And I think he'll get there. What would you say to people who don't see that Joe is not Joe right now? Um, yeah. Because it's out there. You know it's out there. There are a lot of people who are like, no, it's Joe's fine. Like he's – it's not him. It's everyone else. And it's, it's okay to admit because when he's the franchise quarterback, you, you can criticize him. That's okay. We, we haven't had to. Luckily, because he's played so well, but unfortunately, that's just going to happen. Yeah, it's just, it could be a little bit of rust because he didn't practice as much and he didn't play any of the preseason games. So I think he's leaving some of these throws on the field too. He's not as deadly accurate as he normally is. Um, again, I think all this comes back. I think it's going to regulate itself. Um, I think Joe Burrow is that guy. But yeah, you do need to kind of admit like, He's not the Joe Burrow of last year, especially not late last year, where that guy 
I don't know, step on the field. He's creating, he's able to create in structure and out of structure. He's on time with everything. He's hanging, moving in the pocket and avoiding sacks and throwing. It's not there right now. And it's okay to say that it's, it's just, uh, I think it comes down to everything. I think Joe Burrow isn't playing up to what should be his standard. Like if this is the standard you have for Joe Burrow being fine, that's a pretty low standard. My standard's higher. I think his fine should be better than this. I think this is below what I expect from Joe Burrow and he's going to get better. Uh, but it is also the offensive line, while not a disaster, is playing at a level that is causing him uh, to speed up a little bit. It's they're giving him unnecessary pressure. They're not playing well. They're playing worse. They're playing worse than Burrow. I mean, I think so. But, but what do you expect of them? I expect to get average, maybe above average play if they're all clicking, and they're playing below average right now. So that's a little bit of what I expect. But I don't know. What I think is it's a little bit of a structural issue. I think there are there is some validity to the complaints that have happened to Zach Taylor. Not all of them. He's not responsible for everything. None of these guys are responsible for everything. When I say that Joe Burrow is sped up and he's not moving well in the pocket, that just means what I'm saying there. And I'm not saying he's at fault for every sack. He's not. He's not at fault for every pressure. He's not. He's not at fault for the offense being terrible right now. Bad at least. Maybe not terrible, but bad. Terrible to start games. He's not. It's not all him. It's not all Taylor. It's not all the offensive line. It's not all Mixon. But you do have a group of uh, variables that are all playing below what you expect. And you hear, I think a lot of people are sick of hearing about regression, regression, but regression can be positive too. And with everybody playing below what you expect from them, except I don't know, maybe chase and the interior of the offensive line, that regression will come back and they will get better. So I think it gets better. It's just off to a slow start because there's a lot of people playing below what you would hope for them to do. I think one thing that would help Joe Burrow in the offensive line alone is if the run game was better and that's not going very well right now. I mean, all the pressure is going to be on Joe, his receiver is the offensive line when you can't get anything going on the ground. What did you think about Joe Mixon and just this run game overall? Yeah. I mean, I think people are getting a little bit quick to criticize Joe Mixon a lot. I think he's played below what you expect out of him similar to Burrow. I don't think it's been terrible, but it's just, I expect Mixon to play at this level and he's currently playing below that right now. Uh, I don't think he's missing a ton of reads. He missed one bad one. And other than that, I think he's made good decisions in the backfield. I think that's one of his better traits. Uh, and then the offensive line run blocking. I don't think it's, they're trying, they're trying a whole bunch of different runs because I think they're realizing that maybe the wide zone running game under center isn't the way that they should be trying to win. This isn't, shouldn't be the bread and butter. Doesn't mean you cut it out completely, but this isn't the run play that they hope it could be where they just run it into any front, any situation, honestly, like they could last year, just different personnel. And I thought they would be fine, but Lyle Collins is looking a little bit slower than he did in the past. And you just get a few little things that's like, ah, they're not playing up to where I expect, like I've been talking about. And now when they run the duo play, which is a, a like more of a power type run play, no poolers, but you're getting double teams and pushing vertically. They're doing a little bit better at that because all the fault we're giving Lyle Collins, that guy can still move people. Uh, he's still powerful. He's not been that guy in pass protection, but in the run game, he's still powerful and moving guys. And even on the left side, they're doing pretty good on these double teams and in the interior, they do a good job. So 
I think they're going to move to more of a gap duo as their bread and butter. And I also think that's going to work a little bit better for their play action stuff, hopefully at least, um, because their boot game's been pretty bad off of wide zone. So I think they're just feeling everything out. It's a whole new unit. And we had Duke on last week. He said six to eight weeks. You hope it's earlier, but I think it's not going to be six weeks of it's this bad. And then bam, they all click. And then it jumps right up. I think it's going to be a gradual climb. And we are at the lowest stages right now of this communication. And I hope uh, so. knowing, knowing everybody, I can't imagine it gets much worse. So it's going to get better over time. They're going to get used to playing with each other, and I think they're going to find the run plays that these guys really excel at. What are you going to tell the crowd when uh, the Chris Evans hype is out there? And, and we've already talked about this. We tried to warn the people. You tried to warn the people that it's just not – it's probably not going to happen. Hey, Samaj P. Ryan, he blocked Micah Parsons one-on-one for that two-point conversion. I want some respect for Samaj P. Ryan because I hear everybody saying that guy's nothing. That guy does blah, blah, blah. That guy just had the the most impressive play of the game for the offense on that two-point conversion. So you want Chris Evans to get in the game, you're going to take that guy off the field because neither one of them is going to play much over Joe Mixon. That's just what it is. Joe Mixon is the best running back at running the ball. And they want that because when your offensive line is not blocking too well, you can't start throwing back variables back there that are going to run worse. At least that's what I think. You're going to try to win football games with this team. This isn't this isn't a rebuilding team. They just made a Super Bowl, so they got to win a couple games. And Joe Mixon is their best running back for that. And I don't think you get. I know the PFF score is high. I just don't think I can envision five foot nine, 180 pound Chris Evans doing that same thing that Samaj P. Ryan was able to do in pass protection. I, this is where the PFF scores and what I'm seeing aren't going to match up because I think you have seven snaps in his career in pass protection for Chris Evans. And Samaj P. Ryan is the big ball bowling ball of this team and he will do the dirty work. So I like what Samaj P. Ryan has done. I think he's a good pass protecting running back. He's smart. And I just think that's hard to replace. And like I've said before is I think what they value is a running back that can pass protect. They don't value as much to get a running back to catch a ball at one yard of, of depth and then to run five. They don't care about getting the extra five, six yards. They care about that guy stopping Micah Parsons on the edge, picking up linebackers, keeping Joe Burrow clean. We'll never forget the Super Bowl, but you have to remember the AFC Championship game when he ran for the touchdown. So, Samaje P. Ryan, we'll, we'll give you some credit on this podcast. And I think Chris Evans does get reps, but I think it's when the offense is finally clicking and you're kind of having fun out there. Maybe you're up a couple scores and this offense is just lighting it up. And maybe you try something different with Chris Evans and it's more of, you know, in the air, not on the ground. So, it's not happening yet, fans got to stay with Joe Mixon. But next, we dedicated a whole entire segment to the offensive line. We'll have more on that on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Offensive line, offensive line. The second segment on Tuesdays is always going to be dedicated to the offensive line because it's been a topic for six, seven years. And uh, why change it now? Because it's not going so well. I want to focus on the good. Then we'll get to the bad. We could get to the good, bad, and ugly, but we'll just do good and bad. We'll start with the good. I think one of the things you have to take, and it's going to change week to week, you take Cordell Volson, 
from his first game ever in the NFL and what he had to go up against against the Steelers defensive line. And then week two, PFF grades, and I know we were just talking about him with the run game. He's graded the highest rookie guard in the NFL in his second NFL start. What did you think from Cordell when it comes to just the interior alone on the on the offensive line? Yeah, I know it's not the stiffest competition, but if we are going to complain about um, what he did against Cam Hayward against the stiffest competition, we got to give that guy some credit when he plays against the lower competition, and he does really well, at least in the passing game. I thought he was solid. I thought what he was able to do, he passed some stunts off. He was able to uh, just not allow much pressure. Overall, when I watched him, I just thought like, yeah, this is this is what you hope for when you get a guy in the late fourth round when he plays against guys that are solid. These guys aren't bad. Tristan Hill and uh, the other members of the Dallas Osa. I'm not going to try to pronounce the last time. Just <laughs> think of the guys. But uh, these guys aren't bad. They're solid. They flash sometimes. And Cordell Wilson held his own and did more than hold his own. He played really well to me. I thought – now, I don't know if I would consider him – I think he was the – third best member of the oh, offensive line. That that I, I, yeah, I was going more on the rookie side when it comes to the guard position. And we'll stay with Alex Kappa because I think with the offensive line, obviously you're an O-line guru. If you don't hear a player's name, things are going well. And Alex Kappa is one of those people who we haven't really heard a lot about when he's on the offensive line. What do you think about his play two weeks in with Cincinnati? Very solid, very solid to, to good at times. I think he's been the best member of the offensive line. I think he is everything they paid for. Um, we're going to get to some other things with that, but uh, uh, I think he's been everything they paid for. I think he's been everything expected. I think he is a good player. So when I see Alex Kappa out there and he's doing a good job, both in the run and pass game, I don't think Volson was head and shoulders above him, no matter what the, the, the whole yeah. thing, the scores and whatnot. But I do think they were both solid and Karras was solid in pass protection. It's just Alex Kappa gives them a little bit more in the run game. And uh, just it's uh, a lot of blocks in the NFL are just stalemates. And it's just about winning the leverage or winning, you know, getting to the where you need to be. Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins are both able to not have stalemates and dominate on those blocks sometimes and love to see that. I also think he's the one guy in the interior that has a very, his very good strength and he doesn't get knocked back much from people. So with those things, I think he's just the best offensive lineman on the team right now. And uh, I can't talk enough about him because he's been what you want from an, a free agent signing on the offensive line. So I told you before the show, I want you to go back to your plays from the game after watching the tape with the offensive line. Give me two to three things that you liked from Sunday. Okay. So I will say I want to give Lala Collins some credit because I think they're trying to get to a run play that fits him and Kappa a little bit more. And uh, that's duo. And duo is essentially power without a pooler. You're going to work some double teams down the field vertically. And I think this is working better for them than the zone runs because uh, Collins is more of a strength guy at this point than he is able to move that well. I'm not sure if that is going to get better with, uh, with time or anything, but yeah, so they step, he steps down with Alex Kappa and not only does Collins 
hit Demarcus Lawrence, who is a heck of a run stopper, maybe the best run defending edge in the league, knocks him over a full gap, maybe a little bit more, and Cap is able to seal that off. He doesn't do a perfect job at the second level. He's kind of coming out of there a little bit unbalanced because he just hit a guy really, really hard. But being able to open up the hole like that is something I don't know if we've seen that much from Bengals offensive linemen. So I want to give him a shout out just when he's running these duo double teams. He had another one. He had a pancake on on that double team. So put a guy on his back. So I want to give him some credit for that. And I also think another pass play, this one's a pass play, was uh, this is kind of weird because it was a sack. But um, I think the pass protection was good overall. It's uh, they're sliding to the left. P Ryan's inserting through the middle. Nobody comes, so P Ryan leaves. When they slide left, you have Doris Armstrong at uh, tackle. He's right outside of Jonah Williams, and then Micah Parsons is right outside of Hayden Hurst. And Micah Parsons loops to the inside. Cordell Volson and Jonah Williams are both with Doris Armstrong, and one on one, Ted Karras stops Micah Parsons. Love to see it. He stops his momentum. Full head of steam, too. He's coming out of full head of steam. I said that, Kiris, you know, you can question the anchor just a tiny bit, but he's able to anchor down and stop a Micah Parsons bull rush. And then lastly, I just got to give a shout-out. Samaj P. Ryan on the two-point conversion, he was one-on-one blocking Micah Parsons. I feel like I'm doing this every week where I'm doing highlighting a running back in pass pro, too. But they fully slide, and what that does is it leaves uh, one-on-one. This is why most teams don't like the full slide. Leaves. Samaje Piran one-on-one with the dude of the Dallas Cowboys. Now it's a one-way go because of the slide. He can't really win to the inside of uh, Piran. He's a running back and he stonewalls him for three seconds. That's unbelievable. That was the, look, I know in college they give you the the stickers. The Bengals need to add an extra strike to Samaje Piran's helmet for that. That was an amazing play. Best play of the game on that offense. Here, we're going to give you credit on this offensive line. You might be a running back. You might be a tight end. Whoever you are, if you show up, uh, Mike's going to give you credit. All right. Is there any other good plays or anything you saw from the offensive line that you're like, that really stands out for me? This is where they're going to get better. Yeah. Also, another duo run was uh, Volson and Jonah. They didn't get as much movement as the right side able to. I just think those guys are just stronger. But Volson ends up with a pancake, and I think that's something – you question a little bit the functional strength and maybe you can still do that with his anchor, but he was able to put Tristan Hill in the ground. And that's something I want to highlight too, because while I have criticized his run blocking just a little bit, and I know I just said that he's not a guy that really moves people too much, but when he gets the leverage and he gets the opportunity, he's able to drive, he's able to finish. That's just something you can't really teach the, the finishing of uh, defenders. So Love to see that uh, just as the last highlight before we get to the not so great. Go ahead. I mean, the not so great. Everybody's really familiar with everything that happened in these last two games for the offensive line. So get get to your bad part. Yeah, we'll start with the one I think everybody knows. It's just Law Calls doesn't step down and take Micah Parsons. And Micah Parsons is a free rusher off the edge. That's just some type of miscommunication. I have no idea why. Uh Collins thinks he's stepping inside. My only guess is that he thinks the tight end is one-on-one with Parsons, which that should be ringing alarm bells. I guess P Ryan did it at the end of the game, but they were sliding to him. This is, this would be sliding away to leave him one-on-one with Parsons and give him a two-way go. Not sure that 
will ever happen. But uh, whatever happened, need to clear that up because you can't let the best pass rusher on the team get a free shot at your quarterback. I, I, there's been a lot of talk about it. Basically, when you they insert their tight end, fullback, running back, whoever, to block one of the linebackers that are in the A-gap, they put both – Cowboys put both linebackers in the A-gap. They've got four other down linemen. That's six guys. The offense responds, inserts the – it was a tight end into the A-gap to take one of the linebackers, and then you have five for five on the offensive line. But Collins missed that or something because it's just one of the biggest brain farts of the game. He should have blocked out to Parsons. Instead, he steps down to the defensive tackle and uh it went as predicted not a sack but uh throw away and burrow takes a big hit <coughs> oh, keep, sorry keep it going keep it going all the negative <laughs> we gotta hear it we have to talk about uh, it okay i was upset with there was a i think it was a toss split zone type play and it might have even been designed to do that but uh hayden hurst i don't know what happened they let so what they everybody does is they're going to block down one way and they toss the ball to Joe Mixon, who then immediately looks to go to the other side away from where the blocking is. And Hayden Hurst is in front of him, basically going to lead the way, just pick up the most dangerous guy and let's get, what, five yards and maybe Mixon some, make somebody miss and we get downfield. I don't know what happened, but Hayden Hurst, 54, is the only unblocked guy and he just runs right by him. <laughs> it ends up in a tackle for a loss because they just let a linebacker run free at Joe Mixon. Not a great situation. If it gets blocked, it looked well blocked other than that, which is the frustrating thing. I think that's got to be one of the most frustrating things in football when you get a really well-blocked play, except one guy misses, and then it ends up in a loss it's then everybody's yelling at you why are you running that stupid toss play hey that toss play almost went for eight yards but instead Hayden Hurst missed his guy had a brain fart and now now it went for negative two and we're behind the chains so need him to shore that up I know I know it just sounds like a broken record but I really feel like a lot of this is just rust not playing together things like that it's gonna get better it's going to get better it's okay it's not there right now, but it's okay. And um, the last one is just Collins. Yeah, there were probably six plays, five, six plays where he's just oversets. When I say that, I mean he takes one too many kicks to the outside, and Micah Parsons is an elite edge rusher, one of the five best, maybe better than that. He he might be run, the defensive player of the year at this moment. And Parsons is able to take advantage of it, and he wins to the inside repeatedly. When you're an offensive lineman, especially an offensive tackle, you have to protect inside out first because that guy went to the inside. That's the quickest route to the quarterback. Make him run through you. Make him run around you. But he's he had this issue in Dallas, but it wasn't as pronounced. I don't know if it's an injury thing or something else that's coming up that's making him overset so often but it was like five or six times in this game and he's not recovering that well. He's doing this weird spin move that everything about him right now is unorthodox, which makes me think there could be something else going on. But uh, yeah, that seeing him get beat to the inside so often and getting Burrow hit or off of his spot or anything like that was just not great. 
When you say you feel like there's something else going on, do you think it is just the miscommunication in the reps with this offensive lineman being on a new team, or, or what What do you think that is? It could be rust. It could just be – I mean, this guy put practice like twice and got kicked out of one of them, <laughs> no preseason games. So I think you, there is a solid argument that he's just very, very rusty. I don't think he's getting off the ball as well as he should. Some of that is – Maybe he doesn't have the same explosion, but some of it is also, I don't think he still has the cadence down for the team. I don't think most of this offensive line has the cadence down. And that's why you're getting all these false starts and all these other things. So that comes with time. A lot of this just comes with time. And it's, it's like, I do think there is a slight concern though about he did miss a lot of time because of injury. Is it still lingering a little bit? Can he get back to where he was at Dallas? Because he was one of the five best right tackles in the league when he played for Dallas last. Now he's looking like the worst member of the offensive line. So can he get back to being a good right tackle or is this injury going to plague him the whole year? But on the bright side, I do think a lot of it is also, it, they just, it's like what Duke came on and said on our show last week, it's going to be six, maybe weeks until this offensive line is really gelling together. I don't think that's a strict it gets real good at six weeks. I think it's going to be a slow climb and we are at the bottom of the slope right now. And it's going to get better each week and maybe every two weeks it gets a little bit better, but yeah, for right now, it's just mental communication and physical issues for the right tackle. It would be really great if, so the thing is they have two games in nine days. You, you get this game on the road, then you come home for a short week against Miami, who looking pretty dominant right now offensively. You have this opportunity to just switch your narrative of being 0-2 winless to 2-2 before you go back to AFC North play. And it's a whole new ball game, a whole new season for this team. So, you know, we'll get to the preview, what, what it's going to look like versus the Jets later this week. But still a chance for this offensive line. It, it, it would be surprising for them to look a little bit better in New York. But at some point, like you said, I feel like we we knock on wood. We've, we've seen the worst with this with the starting offensive lineman and they can get better. So to be determined on what that looks like on Sunday versus the Jets. But next, we got to get to the defense because... There's a little bit going on with that side of the ball, too. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Defense, we saw what they did in the playoffs. Jesse Bates came back, signed the franchise tag. They can't get the extension done. You get playmakers like Dax Hill, who's not really getting those rookie reps just yet. I'm not surprised. We've talked about it before on the podcast. More than likely going to be Miami game, a different mobile sort of quarterback when Dax Hill is going to be seeing the field more and getting some more rookie reps. But they looked good versus the Steelers. They're going against Mitch Trubisky, Cooper Rush. We have to keep that in mind. At the same time, They've had one turnover. They should have had multiple in the Dallas game, and they're not getting to the quarterback. What, what's going on with this defense, and is it as good as we think it is? I think the defense, there's signs that it's not as good as we think it is, but there's also signs that it is as good as we think it is because they are right now number two in the league at forcing a punt on a drive. Uh, not on a drive, but on a set of downs. They're giving up a first down like 50% of the time, and that's awesome. So no matter who you're playing, that's really good. 
Um, but I do think there is some slight concern. DJ Reader, as amazing as a nose tackle as he is, and I think he might be the best nose tackle in the NFL, not a shouldn't be your number one pass rusher. And right now, I think you by the stats, maybe not, maybe Trey Hendrickson's still better when you watch him, but he's the one that's getting back there the most, and he's the one that's causing the most pressure. He doesn't have a sack, but he's causing the pressure. He caused the pressure on the only sack yesterday. Or yesterday, <laughs> sorry. But he's the only one that caused the You're only sack. Weak. Yeah, he's the only one that caused the only sack in the Cowboys game. He, they Now, Cooper Rush escaped him, but he gets sacked by Sam Hubbard, and it's because he moved off his spot because DJ Reader drove his guy into the backfield. So I think there is a little bit of a pass rush concern. You pay BJ Hill this money. You want him to do a little bit more as a pass rusher. He's going to get Zach Martin this week, though, so understandable. Last week went against uh, James Daniels, and I, I don't – I know some PFF and others consider James Daniels to be a really, really good player. I, I think that BJ Hill should have won that matchup and it felt like he didn't. Now DJ reader is able to win that matchup when he got it. So you need BJ Hill to play better. You need uh, Trey Hendrickson to be a dominant force. If he's a top eight edge rusher in this league and he has been by stats, then he needs to dominate these guys he's going against. I know he gets extra attention because he's the big pass rusher on the team. But when you're against Dan Moore and Tyler Smith, it gets better from here. Like those aren't the cream of the crop at left tackle right now. They're fine. They're solid. They're starters. I don't think they're terrible, but he needs to dominate those guys because look, when, when Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett and TJ Watt goes against these types, think of what TJ Watt did to Lalo Collins. I mean, that's what you want to see from Trey Hendrickson and he's not giving it right now. So you need everybody to step up in the pass rush department I'm still not sure if their blitz and sending these extra rushers is going to do much as much for them as it does for some other teams. I'm not sure if it's a design thing or what. Mike Hilton should be able to do that, and Von Bell should be able to do that a little bit. But it hasn't been why this team has been so good at rushing the passer. I think they are a good team last year at rushing the passer. They're missing Ogunjobi a little bit, I think. They just need a couple guys to step up. We'll go to the secondary and just the safety room alone. I want to focus on Jesse Bates because we've talked about Jesse Bates for months and months and months and months and months, and he doesn't get the training camp preseason reps. All of that comes into camp late because of all the franchise tag stuff. When we see this Joe Burrow slander that's out there, there's a lot of Jesse Bates slander too. And a lot of people are like, I trade him, get rid of him, put Dax Hill in. Jesse's not making the moves. He's not Minka Fitzpatrick. Jesse's never going to be Minka. Minka is absolutely, I mean, that guy's fun to watch defensively and he makes plays. And obviously we saw the pick six against Joe Burrow in week one. There's a, people aren't really liking Jesse Bates right now on the defense. Can you, can you tell them to calm down, relax? What's going on? Yeah. I mean, this is, it's ridiculous. I just post a little bit of analysis. Like he does give up the touchdown. He doesn't get a reroute from underneath, but he's one-on-one with the wide receiver. And he just was a tick slow at reacting. He doesn't have the closing speed to make up for it. That's okay. It happens to everybody. I don't think he was terrible in this game, but the reaction was basically bench him, send him away, cut him, all these other things. No, he's still a good player. I He missed all of training camp. He missed every preseason game, like all the starters did. But he missed all of training camp. I mean, this guy, he's he's uh, just a little – I know it's a broken record. 
but it's what the Bengals kind of did. A lot of these guys are playing rusty and he was a little bit rusty and slow to react. It'll get better. I think the idea that he's just some bum is ridiculous when he was the best player on the playoff run. I mean, without Jesse Bates, they don't, do they even get out of the first round? Because he was amazing in that one. He broke up six passes. Do they get out of the next round? He makes an interception on the first play of the game. Do they get out of the third round? He's the one who broke up the pass to Tyree Kill. And he caught an interception against Matthew Stafford. I mean, this guy was incredible in the playoffs. Maybe he's not the elite of the elite safeties, but he could flash that level of play. It's not as consistent, but he can flash that. And I think he's a good player. You've only got him for one more year. And I understand that's frustrating that this star player – at least very good player doesn't want to stick with you because of the business side of everything, but that's just the business. And if this team's going to go back to the Super Bowl, it's going to come with Jesse Bates playing at an elite level or at least a very high level and not from Dax Hill being a rookie out there. I would love to be wrong, but for Dax Hill to be better than what Jesse Bates brought, especially in that playoff run, he would have to be like, Eric Berry, Earl Thomas levels of good in his first year. Not their prime, but like when they hit the field their first year, they were already one of the best safeties. That's not common. I think a lot of people have to remember too, Jesse Bates isn't going to be taking plays off and not playing at 100%. This guy's playing for his next contract with another team and they're watching this tape. This is about those reps. It's about his future in the NFL where he's going to land. So just give it some time. I agree. I think just getting these game reps and, and kind of he did train. He didn't train with the team, but he did train down in Florida, getting more just regular season. And this guy's going to be fine and he's not playing terrible. But we'll go to Dax Hill because I feel like we have to tell people this all the time that Dax Hill, you know, he's he's not going to get all those reps. He's he's going to slowly get them. I here's what's going to happen. It's going to be the Miami game next Thursday. Dax Hill's going to get reps and he's going to have like a pick six or something. And Twitter's going to melt down and be like, I told you this guy should have been in there over him. It's going to be something crazy, like a turnover. But I, I think it's the Chris Evans, it's the Dax Hill. I mean, Cam Taylor Britt will be able to come back soon, which I don't, I think his rookie year is a wash. And that to me personally, I think, you know, he, he had his moments in training camp, but struggled a little bit and didn't, you know, gets injured. It's, it's kind of hard to come back from that with this defense. Um, I know there's a lot of questions with Eli Apple still. He is what he is out there in the cornerback room, but um, just, you know, Eli Apple, the Dax Hill reps, What's that future looking like right now for that secondary? Yeah, look, to me, and I hope I'm not proved wrong on this, Dax Hill's a weapon for when they play really good passing offenses. They've played Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. Throwing Dax Hill out there instead of having another run stopper is probably not a service to the defense. I mean, Dallas is able to move a lot, move the ball a lot of the time. And that only gets worse if you remove somebody who's better at stopping the run type uh, an issue like a Mike Hilton, because I don't think he's replacing either safety in these sets. So you look to who's he going to replace a linebacker. That's not great for these situations. Is he going to replace Mike Hilton? Mike Hilton is, I've said it, he's a maniac in the run game and Daxel's not there yet. So who are you going to replace him with? You don't need him to stop Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. And really the defense showed that. They did really well on these teams. They didn't get the turnovers. They didn't get the sacks. But they are showing that they can stop these guys and get all these stops. Next week, you're probably not seeing it that much either against Joe Flacco, unless he's really carving them up or something. 
and they have to make a mid-game adjustment, I don't see them using Dax Hill that often. It's the Thursday night game that you really have to think, okay, this will be the first game you might see double-digit Dax Hill snaps. And if he doesn't there, it could just still be a rookie-type thing. But I think by the end of the year, he's probably going to be playing at like a dozen snaps a game maybe, especially when you start thinking about how they have to play the Bills, uh, you know, the Chiefs. They have to play all these really, really high-powered passing offenses. That's when he's probably going to see the field. And maybe against the Ravens too. I do think that they like him as a weapon. I haven't seen it. I don't have any insider information, but I think they're going to like having a lot of speed on the field to match Lamar Jackson. Looking at the NFL overall, you get the Monday night football game doubleheader last night, Hurts, Josh Allen, those offenses, what they were able to do in the quarterback room alone. It made me a little jealous. I'm not going to lie because I think about the Bengals offense and, you know, obviously Joe's struggling, offensive line is struggling. The wide receivers are still really good and they're not getting the ball right now. What did you think overall when you watched Buffalo and maybe what Cincinnati can be? I'm not even comparing Josh Allen and Joe Burrow as the same guy, but they're both talented quarterbacks. And watching that last night, watching it on Monday Night, we're recording on a Tuesday. I'm like, how does Cincinnati get back to being exciting like that? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Bills and really the Chiefs and the Eagles and all these teams, they – there comes a point and it was said a lot about the chiefs about how they, you know, you just got to play cover two against Mahomes. I feel like we're forgetting that because now the whole thing is you just got to play Tampa two against Joe Burrow. Great quarterbacks. They're going to figure this out. I know Andy Reid is probably going to be a better play designer, play caller for this type of situation, but I think they figure it out. They're going to figure out the run game for one to move the ball and stay consistent against because these are light boxes to run into. So I think they're going to figure out the run game. You have to find a way to either get them out of that look, which would be the run game and just getting to all of your uh, beaters, which they're trying a little bit, but I think it just seems like a work in progress for everything of like, what's going to work. And which sounds like something they should figure out in training camp, but it is what it is. They said they had the answer. I'm not sure that their answer worked when it hit the field. It was an on-paper answer. So now can they adjust? Can they get to the answer? Can you get these teams out of these coverages? Can you force them into looks that you like? All these other things. And uh, I, I have confidence that they will. I have confidence that this offense will become exciting again. It's annoying to watch right now. It's frustrating, especially everything just feels so bottled up. But I think it gets there. And I think the whole everybody makes a big mess over a few weeks about well this coverage just stops that player that team or whatever i don't think that's going to be the case um and if it is you really have to look at getting a new play caller or anything like that i don't think it will but i mean if that's played you for an entire year it's time to look into something some change but right now i'm not calling for change i'm not calling for change because it's been two weeks and i think it's just a reactionary move yeah, if you're calling to fire the head coach after two games and when he just helped you go to the Super Bowl, you're I'm sorry, you're an insane person. That's silly. That is that you're not none of that is happening. It's not gonna happen. And Zach Taylor might decide to give 
Brian Callahan behind the scenes. He might not make it public of how he's calling the plays. Brian Callahan's calling more of the plays. Joe's having more of a say when it comes to the plays. That stuff might be happening behind the scenes. I know when Zach Taylor has a press conference and it makes people mad when he, you know, delivers an answer. I think one of them, I'm paraphrasing it here, when he when he was asked about Joe Burrow taking the hits and he says it's not frustrating. Look, I'm sure when Zach gets off that podium, he's like, it is pretty frustrating. I'm tired of my quarterback getting hit. It's not like Zach is just telling you, like, this is exactly how he feels. I mean, he's great in the meet with the media, but at the same time, he feels a certain way behind the scenes, too, with how the season is going. He he gives very coach-speak answers, and people get mad. And Brian Callahan is very, very transparent. And it's, like, kind of refreshing. But then people also get mad because yeah. he, says, he said something like, oh, I thought Micah Parsons would play more linebacker. And people are like, you didn't prepare? It's like, no, he played 20-plus snaps of linebacker in, like, every game I watched. Like, I'm with Brian that they used him almost five snaps at linebacker. Every other snap was on the line. So I'm with him. And that doesn't mean I didn't prepare for Micah Parsons as a pass rusher. That means, oh, I thought we'd get a few more plays where we wouldn't have to block that guy. That sucks. Not that I didn't prepare for it. They're probably always prepared for 11. It's just, I think, I think that fans are just going to be mad no matter what after a loss like this, a very frustrating game. And I understand but yeah, it's both answers are making them mad. It's like when they're transparent, they're angry. When they're giving coach speak and like, oh, I don't mind Joe Burrow getting hit 30 times in two weeks. They're mad because you should be mad. It's like, well, they can't throw these players under the bus. That, that's no. the biggest thing. No, I mean, you, you even hear Joe Burrow when he's when he was up there his rookie year, his second year, he would never throw the offensive line under the bus. Was he probably upset when he would get home? Like, probably, probably like, man, I really would like to not get hit anymore. Um, but I mean, just because they don't say it and it's not in a press conference doesn't mean things aren't happening behind the scenes, too. Um, I shouldn't have said people are insane if they think you should be fired. So I, sh I should say that you just got to calm down. Relax, everyone. Just chill. Let's watch what happens in week three. There's going to be some must wins coming up soon. Some might say it is on Sunday. I don't know if I'm there yet, but um, you know, it's, it's getting, it's getting late kind of, but uh, it's still open in the AFC North or one game out there. Big Thursday night game coming up Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. I know you're going to have a busy week. What's going to be on all Bengals. What's already up there. <laughs> yeah, it should already be up there. It'll be um, the I, I I'm just gonna get into some of the passing concepts that I think they can utilize to go against Tampa too. Um, I I was gonna think I was thinking like oh I'll just figure out what I want to write when I watch and I was like oh man I want to write about DJ Reader but I don't think I can do that again. You know what? Who says you can't? Who says you can't? They're all in two right now. You can write whatever you want. It's 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 whatever you know. And I was actually thinking um, a little behind the scenes here. We we actually talked about it. Um, via via our Twitter DMs when we were talking about the show. And we might get to a point this season where we just got to, we have to have the listeners, the people who are listening, join our show on some of the, the post-game recaps to just get that live reaction. I hope we don't have to do that. I hope they're winning and we have plenty to talk about, but we'll see. We'll see how this season turns around for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm optimistic. I think they're going to be two and two. Um, that's really looking ahead. And I don't think you really can, but I am. That's my hot take. That's where I'm going. 500 before you play the Baltimore Ravens, but plenty online. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at Alindias Patterson. We'll look ahead later in the week to the Bengals and Jets. They're looking for win number one. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.